Welcome back to the Jokerman episode extravaganza with Matt Farley, the greatest songwriter of all time. Um, I'm Evan. I'm Ian. I'm Matt Farley, and I'm having such a great time. Thank you guys uh, for doing this. Um, once again, I'd just like to say I'm I'm not just a guest. I'm also a uh, card-carrying member of the Patreon Best $5 per month I've ever spent. We'd love to hear it. A huge uh, honor, really, uh, to get that 250 plus 250 uh, every month. <laughs> less less the 8% that Patreon charges for uh, processing fees, plus the extra like 2% that PayPal charges for uh, transferring the money. But who's counting? It's nice to get f- 49 cents from you every month. <laughs> Well, here's uh, here's the here's the part of the show that we all we all know and love. Oh, yeah, uh, the, the cover. <laughs> when are we talk about the cover? We're oh, talking about the cover, but we're going to talk about the cover of "I Love Bob Dylan" by the passionate and objective Joker fan, aka Matt Farley. Who are these people on the cover, Matt? Farley? <laughs> uh, th- yeah, those are um, just some friends of mine from when I lived in Manchester, New Hampshire. Uh, Lisa and Kevin. Um, they like. Uh, my album covers are very haphazard and they, even more so back then where I would photocopy the picture and then literally that picture, for some reason, like I, I, I cut it with scissors because I had two pictures of them that I took like one after the other and I wanted like one of one and one of the other. So I, if you look closely, you can see like I literally cut and pasted um, two pictures together and said, boom, there's your album cover. It's fantastic. Very... um. Bell and Sebastian of you to just have a, the cover be some random people in a yeah. A <laughs> I, I mean, usually it's me though. My nearly four hundred albums, I'd say three hundred and seventy of them are just my face. So it's I'm yeah. More of the recent ones seem to be yeah, just kind of like selfies. Yeah, uh, that you've uh, that you've just taken there. Uh, I like I like kind of like the homemade zine ish quality of what you've got going on. Yeah. In these earlier ones. Though. You guys like Jandek? Jandek, I was. That's interesting that you say that. I, I, Jandek is someone who I've never really gotten into, but I've always thought like, well, it's like you know, of like wanting to work out more. It's like I, I really should eventually get into Jandek. Yeah. yeah. But it, you've got, you've got some of that going on. I mean, you're you're the. Uh, I don't know where Jandek is even based. Where's he from? Houston. Right, Texas. Because isn't that like his whole thing? It's like you can. He's very associated with where he's from. Uh, yeah, and he's got the P.O. box in Houston where you just right. send some money and he was, sends you he, a, a CD. Was he an inspiration to you and your method? Uh, well, uh, he was another one that I didn't know about until um, I was deep into my method. And then someone said, "You, what you're doing reminds me of Jandek. And and then I, I learned about him and I was like, oh, my God, I love that. This guy's been putting out like he was putting out vinyl from 1978. Yeah. through the mid 90s multiple albums on vinyl of just like these these recordings that are just like barely strumming two or three notes and just like moaning yeah uh, like not always moaning into the um, microphone either it just seems like he didn't know where the microphone was and he just recorded it but it's this spooky um weird crazy but then sometimes it sounds like he's got other musicians with him and it's it, it's like this mad like this crazy late night basement jam session. And, um, so yeah, 
it begs the question, who is actually more avant-garde, Matt Farley or Jandek? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm sneakily subversive. A little more, a little more pop focused, or you know, you've got some sharper pop sensibilities just in terms of your, uh, you know, your piano riffs, which are like. This is so like, funny uh, saying that somebody has slightly more pop sensibilities than Janda. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's yes. I'm, I'm That's using that joke. quote. I'm going to put that in my next poster. <laughs> From the a Joker little more, man. a little more pop uh, sensible than Janda. If you love Jandek, if you love the songs. <laughs> Uh, of Jandek, you're gonna love one of the next great artists to come out of uh, randomly putting your phone number online, Matt Farley. Oh, yeah, so uh, anyway, that's the cover. Yeah, um, I didn't put, I didn't put, I mean, you know, that was the beginning of my um, frantic song releasing schedule. 2008 is when I started, uh, and I was putting out. Like at least a thousand songs a year from that point forward, more or less. So, how, how many have you gotten up to now? Twenty-one thousand five hundred. Jesus, I think we'd be remiss if Putting we didn't. Us all to shame. We didn't mention the um, the fact that it's literally called the passionate and objective Joker fan. Was this a joke? This yes. must this a Joker man reference, right? Yeah, yeah, but you yeah. don't even and. and, and this is this what? is such incredible synergy. I know. Yeah, well, I mean, you guys found me on Twitter. I don't even know how, but I thought it was because of this album. No, it's it wasn't. It, I actually heard of you because <laughs> I I'm a listener of the the Important Cinema Club uh, podcast. I like okay, I like okay. that podcast. Yeah. Who uh, wrote a, a book about you? Yeah, I read that every day. Will Sloan and um, <laughs> Justin DeClue. Just, Justin DeClue, yeah. Um, they do a great podcast about movies. And, it's got um, a similar vibe to what you guys have. It, it's that just the comfort level between the two hosts is um something you that just is either there or it isn't there. And you guys have got it. We've got two two dumbasses. <laughs> that book, by the way, um, Moturn on Moturn. That's uh of of all the books about Matt Farley, it's probably one of the top five. Yeah, yeah. Should we, uh, should we dip back into it? Do this. Go ahead. For the listeners, I just want to say, like, this, it really happens. Ian picks up, I'm watching it right now through Zoom. He picks up the harmonica and he plays it into the microphone. This is a recent, this is a a recent recent advent. My girlfriend just gave it to me one day when Evan and I were talking about this shit about, because Evan just wants to do one less thing when he's editing the episode. You think I don't know? You you think I haven't (laughs) memorized the two of you talking about it? Yeah, I think it was the first episode of the um, bootleg series. I I think it's so nice to have the real thing. It actually just makes it like uh, feel it's not, it's it's what we wanted, you know, for so long, and yet we couldn't get our hands on one of these things, on one of these harmonicas, famously yeah. hard to find thing. You just don't know where. Yeah, it's impossible to get. Well, God bless your lady friend. She's she's good person and supportive. Exactly, in yeah. more ways than one. Yeah. 
Uh, well, track one of side B here, uh, and this is this is a funny one, uh, considering this record came out in 2008. <laughs> Bob Dylan's still alive. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, wouldn't you know it, he is still alive uh, 13 years after this even came out. I know, and, and it's just, I'm, like, can you, it, he's he feels like uh, a person from the history books, you know? Like, he, he probably is in several history books, you know, just mm-hmm. for having, you know, written the, the 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 songs from the early 60s you know with the the civil rights uh, movement blowing in the wind times they were changing all that stuff like you kids have been reading about this guy as a historical figure for 30 years and he's still alive one of these situations where when this song stops being true yeah, uh, it will. I I don't know that I'm going to be prepared for. It. I don't think any of us are going to be prepared for that. Hopefully, it's one of these you know what? Hopefully, it will never stop being true. Yeah, yeah. It, Who knows? God, if if Dylan ever dies, if that's a big if. Um, well, uh, what did uh, Pete Seeger? Pete Seeger lived. A, is he? He lived a long time, right? But he's one of those people. Who, yeah, he never died. Actually, he's. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Just sort of trans. Yeah, Pete Seeger uh, made it. Yeah, uh, nineteen nineteen to twenty fourteen. Yeah, so ninety five. Yeah, that's a good sign. Well, you that's, you know yeah, we exactly. we'd be, we should mention that um, Lawrence Ferlinghetti, the uh, sort of backbone of the beat uh, poetry movement, and uh, still, right. uh, you know, it was hugely hugely still alive up until uh, two days ago. <laughs> he uh, he died at a hundred and one. Yeah. So I mean, still, we could get another twenty years of Bob. Still in City Lights bookstore, and yeah, I mean, you know, there's a few. Uh, I think that now the last, the last like main beat generation guy, who's still alive, is um, the the other fellow from the Dharma Bums, um, Gary Snyder. Gary Snyder is okay. still alive. God bless him. He's uh, currently 90. So may he continue to live a long time and may Bob. But uh, again, back to the, the main subject at hand, Bob Dylan still being alive. And, uh, you know, a, a couple episodes ago, we were talking about how I have this book by Clinton Halen that's like about all these recording sessions in great detail. And the last thing they cover in the book is uh, Under the Red Sky. And it's like this sort of, we've talked about it before, but it's like, it was kind of even a miracle he was still alive even then. Right. I know. I know. I I mean, so like I was a fan, I became a fan in like 94. You know, I was aware of him prior to that just because, you know, I was born in 78. So, um. You know, obviously, there's plenty of his songs that were just you—you you couldn't help but know. But like, I really got into him in '94, and that was like that period right there where it's like, um, you know, what is he ever going to do? Any? It, it felt like he was never going to do a live album, a, a studio album again, you know, or with originals at least, you know. And then when when Time Out of Mind came out, it was just like, I mean, that was. I feel like there's always when the album that comes out when you're first becoming a fan, you know, like whatever the first right, new right. album by an artist is when you are like that, that's going to have a, a, a real important, um, it's going to mean something to you, you know? And, and, mm-hmm. um, luckily, you know, 
luckily it wasn't down in the groove. You know, imagine someone who just got into <laughs> Dylan in like 87 or something. And <laughs> we we got a fantastic. message once from, from someone who said that they actually were given a copy of Real Live for Christmas. <laughs> as oh, a, as a real boy. Live is uh, oh, so The bad. absolute just worst Christmas gift imaginable. It's, it's the dregs. It's the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> yeah, that, that album's real bad. I, I'd, I'd like to just uh, say 19 miles an hour down a dead end street. I love it. Really good song. Wow. Yeah. It's got yeah. that kind of weird, like, uh, uh, men's choir type thing. Yeah. Going like on. the Jordan Airs or you kind of feel. Right. Yeah. yeah. Sort of like, yeah. I mean, barbershop of the down in the groove songs. Yeah. Of the down in the groove songs. I think that's one of the, uh, one of the stronger ones, uh, you know, a little more, a little more on the vibey end of the spectrum. And he's, uh, he's played Silvio a lot, actually. Oh yeah. yeah, he's a big fan of Sylvia. I love Sylvia. Sylvia's good. Some, yeah, Sylvia's some fun. Stuff from the '90s, like shows lately. Uh, we're we're actually going to be doing some some just live show episodes, just about certain sets. Oh, which, uh, I can't wait. We'd, we'd love to have yeah. you back on for one of those, by the way. Um, but I've I've heard Silvio pop up, and you know Dylan really digging into the going Silvio, silver and gold, silver. I like the beat of a heart. Yeah. Um, while we're t- complimenting uh, late '80s Dylan, um, Dignity. I- I'm a big fan of Dignity. Dignity's. A- I like Dignity too. Dignity I wish Dignity never been, never been photographed. Ain't that the truth? It feel uh, lyrically. I like it less lyrically than I do musically, just because it in in the same way that Not Dark Yet or Trying to Get to Heaven. It feels like he's like pushing like or Dark Eyes. He's just pushing a little. A little too hard um, to to work dignity into everything, but it just it's got a good sound, great sound, you know. And um, they would have been fine. That was a No Mercy outtake, right? Mm-hmm. Man, yeah, yeah, should have been on there. Last yeah, thing, ring there ring them sure. bells. Ring them bells is one of the is unbelievable. Like if Ring Them Bells was his only composition, like he he's succeeded in life. You're like whoa, absolute. You know, yeah, I absolute stone cold. Speaking killer. of just like uh, discovering some some uh, some stuff that I, I I mean, this is kind of a stretch. I just want to say that I just listened to Modern Times, kind of mm. like hadn't haven't heard much of it, but boy oh boy, there's some really amazing songs on that record, and uh, especially on Modern Times, the um the song uh, when the deal goes down. That's just yeah. Uh, it's a knockout, and I like the uh, the Alicia Keys reference is great. In um, is it on Thunder yeah, on the Mountain? Yeah, yeah, the opener. The, yeah exactly. I just wanted yeah. to talk about that, I and mean, we're going to talk about that pretty soon on on the podcast. I'm excited. Yeah, that's one, one that I note. haven't. I've slept on. Admit, and I'm ashamed to say it. One one question, just to dive in another direction yeah. entirely, yeah. Uh, but it, I didn't want to lose the thread when it was still fresh in my mind. Uh, we we ended our last episode uh, uh, with a brief mention of all the times you've seen Bob live, oh, Matt. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, do you have any any favorite uh, uh, favorite memories of of, uh, of of sets of his that you've seen? Uh yeah. Well, you know, it it was it was pretty similar, like a product each time. You know. From from ninety four to oh six, I'm pretty sure oh six was the last time I saw him. More or less, I think I feel like at least one of them he was on piano. Um, um, where that wasn't the case um, all the other times, and um, mm. that was interesting to see. 
Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's it's good and um and, and weird, you know, it's a little weird just because um, you know, sometimes it feels like he's like, you know, just like going through the motions in in, in some ways, and then other times it feels like he's uh he's he's hitting it, you know. But um right. but I, I guess that's what you uh sign up for when you're gonna get like like you're getting the real it's it's what's really in him as opposed to someone turning it on you know like a showman he's not a showman turning it on he's like uh like like you like you guys were saying about how like like it hurt it it seems like sometimes it hurts him to let it let out so much of himself or something and so like he shields himself or who knows so so the moral of the story is um i i was always happy just to go there i i my friend Tom Tom Scalzo from he he and I are in the band Moe's Haven or were you know through college and beyond. Check him out on on Spotify Moe's Haven. Anyway, um, we'd go to a lot of shows together, and every time I would say to him, "Maybe tonight is the night that he plays Shot of Love from start to finish," and uh, <laughs> it never happened, unfortunately. Uh, imagine him doing what in like, like those those corny kind of like uh, full album tours that yeah. Legacy Acts were doing, you know, for a couple <laughs> years there. It just just everybody the, does the one, one of those night now. where he oh. just does shot of love, start to finish. Imagine just like the the stage lights, you know, come up and suddenly I need no. a shot of love. Like, yeah, oh. it, it it would be like a sort of like dramatic sort of sounding, like all the instruments sort of tuning up. Yeah, and then, and then it would be just like a spotlight and then oh. I'll, I'll confess i mean those lyrics are awful you know um shot like like just listing sh- shots that he doesn't need you know and then don't need a shot of heroin <laughs> to cure my disease um uh, another real it's very Lou uh, Reed. It, it, it reminds me a lot of that yeah, song very about early mid eighties. Yeah, Reed. yeah. The song uh, about the power of positive drinking by Lou Reed. It's got that energy, <laughs> or like or busload of faith. You know, where it's just like this this metaphor that they're going with that you know they should have stopped immediately upon thinking of it. One more shot of love thing. Um, it's amazing that. Um, Groom's still waiting at the altar. <laughs> and I listen to you guys uh, as you're doing the show, being like, what is going on with Groom's still waiting at the altar? Not on the original album. But then it came out on Biograph a few years later, and everyone was like, this song is amazing. How did it not go on the album? And then like the CD version or like later pressings of Shot of Love, they added it to it. Isn't that interesting? Really? Yeah, I think. I had no idea. I'm pretty sure. Uh, you can... Um, you can have your fact check. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I see this. No, I see this on Wikipedia right now. I've I've had the shot of love Wikipedia page open this entire time. Uh, <laughs> the groom still waiting at the altar was originally the B side to the single "Heart of Mine." Okay, uh, and was included on the cassette, but not on the record. Okay, uh, okay. it was later inserted uh, onto the ten-track compact disc and reissues of the vinyl LP in 1985, and has been present in all subs- uh, subsequent pressings. Wow, I love you are just. You were pulling out the shot of love factoids. Thank you. Fantastic. (laughs) I love the line. uh, What can I say about Claudette? I haven't seen her since January. She could be respectably married or running a whorehouse in Buenos Aires. I mean, that is a a great line. Can I can I ask you about a different album? I just want to know what you think of Tempest. 
Tempest. Yeah, well, I know that you love it, and um, I look forward to uh, hearing you review it. And uh, well, I mean, my top five Dylan songs includes uh, early Roman kings. So, oh yes, that's that's right. And Ian, yeah, you just killer. you just discovered, I you you just texted me not that long ago. You're like, wow, I just realized how good early Roman kings is. Yeah, I I'd always you know like re- enjoyed it, but then like on one of my most recent listens, I was like, oh shit, this is a real this is a real pantheon one. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Um, so Tempest, uh, du- Duquesne Whistle uh, is good. Duquesne Whistle. You just watched the video for Duquesne Whistle for the first time, Ian. Yep, just a few minutes ago, uh, or before we started recording, I was going through uh, some old Bob videos that I hadn't watched, and yeah, caught the Duquesne Whistle video. And the uh, the Five Hundred Days of Summer uh, little thing is is fun. It's but just Dylan's the, version the of imi- Five Hundred Days of Summer. Yeah, the images of Bob strutting around downtown Los Angeles with this gang of like, uh, like it. I I can't even like just a posse. He's got a posse. Yeah, posse of of apparently like East Los Angeles, uh, like gangsters. (laughs) It's such a fantastic, just badass uh, image. I I can't get enough of it. So I kind of grouped together, you know, Time Out of Mind, Love and Theft, uh, Modern Times, and Tempest. You know, they they just, um, they they seem to go go together pretty well. Mm -hmm. And um, of those four, in terms of like uh, best to worst, I'd go Love and Theft, Time Out of Mind, Tempest and then Modern Times, but all all of all of them are great. Uh, meanwhile, Together Through Life, oh my God, ah, oh, awful. You like that? Oh, hell is hell is my wife's hometown. Oh, yeah, my God. I, I I don't like that song. <laughs> that I feels that, that is- feels so much like Down in the Groove, Knocked Out, Load. That whole album just yeah, not not production wise, but just in terms of like phoning it in. Yeah, it's not one of the best. Hell yeah. is my it did seem hometown. to be it. It's sort of uh, atypical in the in the latter day period because he usually takes a really long amount of time in between records, and then when he puts one out, it's like sixty, seventy, eighty minutes yeah. long. It's but it, Life it, came it, out. It was nominated it, it, at, for a Grammy. I don't know if it won, but it was nominated at least for like best Americana album. Like uh, it, it, right. it exists in this world of not exactly trying to be like contemporary at all. It's very much just like trying to hash out some some old time music. We don't need to talk about it anymore. Bob Dylan's still alive. And, uh, that's the first track on. on Okay. Yeah. What's next? Uh, my thoughts on Bob's, uh, Bob Dylan's demeanor in don't look back. Okay. Uh, And we can maybe, we can maybe pair this with another song that's coming up, uh, just a little later, Bob Dylan versus Donovan, another, uh, part of don't look back. Uh, okay. You, you, you didn't seem to be very fond of the way he was comporting himself. Yeah, I have a lot to say on this. Um, so, <laughs> like, he's it's portrayed like, ha ha, look at Dylan, like, being antagonistic with the press, you know, bringing a light bulb to a press conference. And um, it's like, uh, okay, Dylan, the general vibe I'm getting from you, Bob, is that you don't want to be questioned by the press, you know? That's the general vibe I'm getting. And yet... You're you're hosting press conferences, you know. Like, come on, come on, Bob. I, and then oh, this poor this poor dude from Time Magazine is like, are, are you the voice of a generation? He's like, and he just starts lecturing the guy for so. And it's like, oh, sh- Bob, this this poor guy doesn't 
Yeah, sorry, he doesn't know your entire repertoire um, by heart, and it, he's it, just doing his job. It's it's not just that he doesn't know the repertoire, though. Like the real thing that that stings when you watch those press conference videos is that these these poor saps are still in the forties, like mentally, like they they don't even understand a thing about what's hip what what is yeah like, but then what it's but cool. just don't and and dylan just rips into them like they're so much uh uh spam or ham he just yeah you're right it, but like, ultimately like he he is engaging with these people in the first place like if these people aren't worth his time then don't spend your time like just don't don't do it well, the and, thing is he's he's at this point very much on amphetamines or, or yeah, he's and cracked out, barred out every day. He kind of did something that you know, I, Lou Reed is somebody who probably wouldn't exist in, in the way that we, you know, his career wouldn't have existed, I think, without Dylan. And and this is kind of the blueprint for like the Lou Reed model of dealing with reporters and and uh, and press. Is like yeah. This is like invented right here. Where well, uh, I don't, it, I don't subscribe. It's a fair uh, he's, analysis. He's, he's playing a part. He's playing, and you know, we haven't really talked about "Don't Look Back" on on the show yet. Um, and hopefully, we we will at some point. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's clearly playing a part and like putting on a show, and like he understands that he's being filmed by Da Panabaker at this press conference. And, yeah, like, you know, or in front of Donovan, and just like completely just smacking him down and putting him to shame when he just busts out baby blue after Donovan sings that stupid fucking song about, you know, I'll sing for you or whatever. You know, it like, I think there's, there's, I, I still find it like there's something kind of charming and fun about this guy. Who's just like, knows he's just at like the complete absolute heights of all his powers and can just like put everyone around him to shame that you, you can't make a whole career out of that. And so like, I think like it, it's only as charming as it is to me, at least because he ends up going away and then, you know, everything that happens for the next 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. Goes on to happen. I like happy um, family man, Bob, you know, late right. 60s. Yeah. Woodstock. Yeah. Woodstock, Bob. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, for, for this little brief moment in time, I think it's, it's a great kind of look into things, but at the same time, I completely understand not liking the fact or like not vibing with just this kind of, uh, shithead uh, asshole version. Yeah, while I'm at it, um, two things. One, like, that just the insanity, like, I mean, um, of, like, the hotel room, you know, and don't look back and just pe- hangers on everywhere, you know, and jo- yeah, yeah. Joan Baez is like, oh, like, 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 yeah. like, like it's quiet, like, I, oh, like, just, but I feel like ultimately, like, and maybe he learned this over time and it's hard. Who knows? It's hard when you're like 24 years old and, and you're touring in England for the first time and you, you're just kind of going with the flow. But it's like, just get a room for yourself and, and don't take, um, you know, a bunch of, um, of, of people with you there, you know? I, so there's I, that. It yeah. seems like he was just really eating it up and, and, and pushing it as far as he could go. And he was, 
taking full advantage of the uh, meteoric rise that he he knew was happening. He was kind of inventing like what rock and roll stars and rock and roll bands would go on to do, like in terms of having this enormous posse of people and just mm-hmm. like, you know, smoking and drinking all night and hanging out in hotel rooms and just being a general kind of menace to society. Um, but Bob ended up being smart enough to know that like he, that couldn't sustain yeah. for his entire life. So like, you know, this is 1965. If the motorcycle crash was, you know, did that even really happen? There's some ambiguity of how. Right, 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 yeah. Well, it's, it, it's Symbolically, it happened. It's that there was a, a point of uh, that bubble popping where he saw that, that this couldn't go on the way that it was. Yeah, 18 months after all this footage is being filmed, he's like, this entire stage of his life is closed completely forever. And yeah. He never goes back to it, or at least, you know, to the way that he's doing it, at least at this point in time. And like, you know, a- as you see with other rock bands, certainly throughout the 70s, who just like push it and push it and push it. And this is all that they know that that, that path quickly uh, leads to burnout, uh, which is maybe why Bob has kept it on the level for so long. We we should mention uh, a little bit about the specific events of the situation you reference in your song about Donovan here, which is uh, just this this infamous clip where Donovan plays a song amidst this group of uh, groupies and friends and Dylan himself in 1965 or 66. And... Uh, Dylan then just whips out uh, immediately after him an acoustic version of Baby Blue. I think Donovan even asks him, can you play it? Which is something contradicting the, the, the narrative here of like Dylan just totally bullying him. But Bob even is like, like after Donovan's done playing, Bob's like, oh, that, that's a good song, man. That's pretty good. Yeah, he <laughs> that, goes, that's, that's pretty not too good. Bad. You know, there's a story where, uh, he's so fucking, I also heard a asshole. story once where Dylan was, went up to, um, uh, the Foo Fighters after they played The Pretender and at some event. And he just went up to Dave Grohl and he said, and that song, The Pretender, pretty good. Or, or, or like the Neil Young, uh, in Highlands, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I listen to Neil Young. Everyone tells me to turn it down. Yeah, but of course, the the Donovan clip, while it might have been taken slightly out of context, I mean, watching it is just like one of these watershed moments of just getting your your shit crushed in front of everyone. <laughs> oh, and and then when he's up on stage, at one point he he's doing one of those talking blues songs. He's like, and then I open up the closet, and there was Donovan. You remember that part? <laughs> no, I don't remember. That. Uh, it, well, when, 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 when you break it down, yeah. Um, it's either I think it's yeah, just it's just like a, a non sequitur that he dropped in the middle of the uh, song because I guess Donovan was uh, hot stuff at that point. But but I, I just wanted to defend poor Donovan. I mean, um, mellow yellow. I like that you include in the song that he's crying in his mansion. <laughs> Yeah, everybody wins. Yeah, balances things back out. Donovan's okay. Where Are your love like heaven is superb. Um, Catch the wind. Catch um, the wind is a, one of the best songs of all. Yeah, Hurdy Gurdy Man in the movie Zodiac is uh, is spectacular. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar, but uh, they use Don, that. Donovan uh, has has a lot of good uh, qualities. 
So just one more thing on like on that the, the Bob attitude though is like yeah please in the Martin's and maybe I even say it in the album. Do I mention Martin Scorsese in the? Uh, that's the penultimate song. My thoughts on Martin Scorsese's No Direction Home. Okay, so I guess we're covering that now. We can talk about that now. We can do it a little. Let's do it. I don't. I'm assuming this is what I say in the song, and and I think in that song I say, there's a part where they're interviewing Bob and 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 they ask him what was it like back then, and he says like, it, it, the truth is I I I don't like being interviewed. I don't like publicity. It is essentially what he's saying. And um and that just comes off as so fake to me because he is one of the producers of like like his production team like <laughs> hired Martin Scorsese to make this movie about him. And it's right. like if you don't like being interviewed, you don't need to be interviewed. Martin Scorsese doesn't have to make a, a, a two-hour documentary about how great you are, you know, Bob. <laughs> like, come on, let's let's be honest, you know. And and it's the same thing with Tom Petty. Like Tom Petty gets uh, Peter Bogdanovich to do a four-hour movie about how great Tom Petty is, and they don't say like it's the new documentary about Tom Petty like that he produced. No, they say like Peter Bogdanovich did it, you know. Right. So. That just feels fake to me. So um, well, it is as, fake. I think. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty transparently fake. I mean, we go back to we can go back to the idea that I mean, Dylan does not like to be captured when he's the one who's doing the uh, who's putting out the product. Yeah. But when it when it's somebody else whose name is going to be on it as the one putting this thing together about him. I feel like he's uh, willing to just kind of go along with that, and but he acts reluctant though about it, you know. Yeah, he doesn't want to appear like he's putting this on himself; that he's the one calling, making that choice. Yeah, he loves it, of course, and he's good at it too. He's good at uh, everything he's done in terms of these concerted efforts to be. Uh, the center of a piece of media, like uh, whether it's Don't Look Back or um, the Scorsese documentaries, those all I think are very effective. Um, and can and you they believe work in his favor? Can you believe that they they in like the the Rolling Thunder the Rolling Thunder documentary that Scorsese did? I love all the footage, but and it's like a two and a half hour documentary, and you find out about a half hour of it is just. F- fake stories like Sharon Stone making up this story about them. Like, I, right. like I, I guess on a grand scheme, it's kind of funny, but mostly I'm just like, Oh, why? We're going to have to spend some time unpacking. That. We will have to do another episode about that. I, I am a little sympathetic to that, uh, finding it kind of weird. Scorsese's idea to, to be like, well, the whole rolling thunder thing was supposed to be kind of like a flight of fancy. Yeah. So why don't I get in on it with you? Because I'm also a great artist, you know, I mean, which he is. Yeah, but oh, that footage, though, just the live footage from um, the Rolling Thunder, so good. I could watch it all day. Yeah, the version of Isis in that movie, oh. it looks like his eyes are about to, like, pop like fucking balloons because yeah. he's so just, like, <laughs> is that smacked what, out. Is that the one where he's like, this is for Leonard, if he's still here, right? At the beginning of the song, is that the one? But there's Leonard, a version of uh, from there. Cohen? I'm not sure, but um, I think it's uh, one of the one of the ones that's on Spotify. 
mm. or maybe from that bootleg um, series one from the Rolling Thunder that came out. He, he shouts bootleg that. Bootleg five. Yeah. yeah. Another off topic, but I, I just need to say, um, yes. have you seen the clip of Dylan uh, inaugurating Gordon Lightfoot into the Canadian yeah. Songwriters Hall of Fame? Ha- halfway ever. is this? This is the one where he walks <laughs> by that wall of televisions, turns around... And he's just looking at that giant wall of TVs for like uh, 30 seconds. And his outfit, like what is, he's like dressed like Prince or something. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah. Oh, and so, and all he says is like, well, Gordon's always said he won't be inducted unless I, I introduced him. In this way that's humiliating. He's like, yeah. well, he basically <laughs> says like, well, Gordon Lightfoot asked me to do this. So yeah. I'll come out and do it. And then Gordon has to accept the award from him. Yeah. <laughs> it's so embarrassing if you're Gordon it, Lightfoot. Just be like. It's it's similar to the Donovan thing. Yeah, it is. is it, or or the, the whole uh, theme we just covered of Dylan kind of never wanting to be the one in, in the Gordon Lightfoot position there. He never wants to appear that he told someone to take his picture. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, another thing, uh, I forget, when we were talking about live shows, I really liked, and one of the later live shows I saw, 05, 06, he was telling corny one-liners between songs. Like what? That's fantastic. Like, my ex-wife's a tennis player, love means nothing to her. (laughs) Like this is this is straight out of your, he's cribbing your style, Matt Farley. <laughs> I, I cribbed his. I, I stole that joke and used it in one of my movies. Um, Are you sure that he's copying you? <laughs> who knows? But when he was doing it, I was just like, no, nah, this is a, and like he would just like mutter the jokes, um, you know, between songs and no delivery, or, you know, like no showmanship, just like and like people are like wait, what is? And then slowly people are like deciphering what he said. The the strangest thing about that is just that that was like something that only happened like a couple times. <laughs> that is so weird. <laughs> well, look it up. There were there were expecting rain uh, entries about it. I'm pretty sure. Just just suddenly insert that into your act to just swiftly remove. I it. was at one of the one liner shows. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the supper club. Yeah. Well, on the, on that note. We can just roll right into, I think, one of the most amazing songs on on uh, I Love Bob Dylan, this album here, which is, I, I just want to preface this, written in 2008. Yeah. Yep. Bob Dylan deserves a Nobel Prize by Matt Farley. Yeah. Yeah. You had a vision of the future. How how did you feel when this actually came to pass? It it was talked to it was out there, you know, like I had I had read people, message boards, maybe even articles saying, you know, Bob deserves this. And maybe he had been on the short list a couple times uh prior to that. So it, it was uh it was um in the zeitgeist. Um and so I was just uh pouncing on the idea. And, you know, let's admit it. What is that, like the thirteenth, fourteenth track? I was potentially running out of um topics. <laughs> I guess that's a good point. Maybe you're running out of topics, but then you released a pure vision from the ether. Yeah, that's my philosophy of songwriting: is write until you can't write anymore, and then write more, and 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 almost mm. like 
unconsciously or accidentally you're going to end up writing something interesting. And that's so, really interesting. It's like the the sort of um, Stanley Kubrick method of like doing like 50 takes and yeah. to the point where it just becomes so exhausting that then the real shit emerges. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's the thing. Just push, 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 and then get through every bad idea and then mm-hmm. just accidentally write a great song. And um, it, it it's actually happened to me. Uh, several times. Yeah, get through every single bad idea until you can write a song like the Butt Cheeks song, or everybody <laughs> has a butt. Well, it's so crazy. Like the Butt Cheeks song has earned me more money than like like I was in this band called Mose Haven. You know, we released twenty four albums. We're so proud of every song. Every Mose Haven album combined has not earned like half of what the Butt Cheeks song has earned. So um, it, it's it's a wild world out there. Just goes to show you got to give the people what they want. Yeah, amen. So uh, just quickly uh, off topic though, uh, Barry Lyndon best uh, Stanley Kubrick movie. Just wanted yes. to throw that out there. Yes. I'm 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 well, I'm I'm mostly with you. There's I go back and forth between that and Eyes Wide Shut. Okay, well, yes, Barry yeah, Lyndon. you're right on both of those. Okay, real quick, Eyes Wide oh. Shut at the end in the toy store. They mm. are oh, the, give, the abduction. They're giving their daughter to the cult. Yep. Okay. What? Yes. Uh, you should. Uh, th- th- there's expecting rain posts about this. <laughs> I have to. I have to rewatch. Forums. You know, I rewatched it recently, but I didn't finish. They get that. Are you really? Yep. It's in the background. It is so subtle. But there's these what two the guys f- who who we saw earlier in the mansion at at the party. These oh two guys God. who yeah. And just so it very is subtly, like an Epstein type movie. The whole the Kubrick it, knew. It, Kubrick knew. One hundred percent is. Yeah. Kubrick I mean knew. that I've heard plenty of things, but I've never heard that. And that involving a child in there, that's like there's no yeah, well, wow. yeah. Kidman. I mean, Kidman was in the cult. She's grooming her daughter to be in the cult. And oh um, my God. And Kubrick knew, and he shows it to um the film studio and they say, ah, very interesting film you made there, Stanley. And then they kill him. The night, like two and then days he dies. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They kill him and they recut it. I mean, it's, you know, anyway, right. <laughs> Hillary Clinton's got her fingerprints all over it. <laughs> I like those movies too. I like, uh, I, I like, uh, I like Barry Lyndon. Like not a one one thing Evan and I have have noticed uh, uh, not a girlfriend movie. It's, that's oh, yeah. it's definitely uh, my what. And you'd think because they have the costumes. <laughs> I I did uh, force my girlfriend to watch Barry Lyndon over two nights in a row, and yeah. um, we watched it, and she said, you know, she said I I liked it. She said it in that <laughs> way. She said I liked it. I was, she was kind of nodding off, but I think at the end it was like, it was a good, a good choice, you know, a good, you need to watch it. I mean, you, you need to watch it five times before you even start to get it. Just an incredible thing to exist. This movie that's so immaculately beautiful, but everybody in it is It's hilarious. That's the thing. the, The main character is just like, it's like somebody who you barely remember from from one of your like from middle school but it's a He's whole movie worst. about him yeah ah <laughs> oh, it's awesome the, girl, the the cousin who's hidden i've hidden my handkerchief somewhere on my body yeah an incredible <laughs> casting of it. his of lord bullingdon 
Uh, uh, just, just one yeah, the- and he became Kubrick's uh, right hand man for the rest of his life. Really, the, the, the actor, the actor. Well, that's that's great. Uh, okay, um, what's the what's the next song? I don't even care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Kubrick Cast. Right now, yeah. um, we're uh, we're coming in close here. We've only got a couple left. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a good one, and this is actually this is another one where you've kind you almost kind of anticipated the future with this one. Bob Dylan's trilogy of trilogies. Wait, yeah. wait, wait. I, yeah, before yeah. we get into that, I I do want to just talk about Bob the Dylan Nobel getting Prize. a Nobel Prize. Yeah, I yeah. love the Nobel Prize speech that he gave. Or did Patty Smith? Mm-hmm. Patty Smith delivered it. Is that right? No, no. I mean, she was. I think she performed, and uh, I don't even okay. want to talk about. It. I don't care for Patty Smith particularly. <laughs> you know, you could anytime you want to get rid of Patty Smith, just anybody, any of one of us. You, we can all, we all, all have that power. Do you know about this? Tell me more. Well, she has a song called um, "Rock and Roll N Word," um, right? And. Uh, I just no. wanted to point out that any of us, if we just didn't want her around anymore, we could say, do you know about this? Uh, oh, we could cancel her. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. We could all just go, I- have you heard about this? And just play that song. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I'm not I'm not in the business of canceling anybody. No. Nah. Uh, uh, yeah, Bob Dylan got a Nobel Prize, and uh, it was well-deserved, and it was great. But he... Um, he got like they're so happy they they finally give it to him. Then he got all like weird about it. It seems like like he, he wasn't gonna go pick it up. It was all he this, didn't show this talk. Up, yeah. classic Bob. He got anxiety. <laughs> but but his yeah, his Bob. speech that he he recorded ended up being re- very nice. He talks about um, all quiet on the Western Front. He talks about um, Moby Dick. And mm-hmm. what's the third one that he took? I forget the other book he he sort of he goes on sort of just like a sort of the page master style uh, journey about the books that inspired him as a boy. And did we ever figure out why he wouldn't go? He just he just didn't want to go to. He had to go. What is it? Sweden or I don't even know what what uh, I think it's Sweden, country it is. Yeah. But I think no, Norway. Norway. I think. Okay. Yeah. One uh, third one's the Odyssey. Evan. The Odyssey, classic um, story that we all <laughs> we love. all know yeah. and love. Yeah. Oh, Lewin Davis. Um, I heard you guys talking about it in the latest episode, right? You like that movie? I love it. I love it so much. It's great. I think I think he's good, and I think he's supposed to be good. Um, Do you think I mean, he's supposed to I, be good? I think he is good. I mean, I like it when he's performing for that guy in in Chicago. I think it's a a good performance, you know? And, um, Mm -hmm. I I mean, and, but I mean, as a musician myself, when he's performing for his dad and his dad is, you know, going to the bathroom in his pants, I mean, it's, uh, I I can relate to that. Not, not specifically, but just the fact that the audience is not necessarily, um, responding in the way you want them to. And, uh, and, and it's, I mean, it's, uh, it's brutal, but, um, but yeah, I think it's, a, I think it's a great movie. It's just, you can feel the cold of New York. Oh and, yeah. Um, well, it takes um, place in that, in that famous New York winter, basically, or coldest winter in 17 years. Oh really? I didn't know that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I think it's, it's inspired by that anyway. Right. If I were uh, in the editing room with them, I'd be like, you know, this drive to Chicago, um, we could cut let's cut four minutes out of it like how many minutes of the movie just stops and we're just driving with john goodman for 
what feels like forever. Right. So I, right. I would trim that. And also the whole, I don't know why it's the beginning and the end. Like, I, I don't know why movies do that, where they show you the final scene and then they go back and, and start the movie. It's like, how about we just start at the beginning and then get to the final scene? But I'll let it go. I never figured out exactly what the deal is with like the temporal, uh, the time thing in inside Lewin Davis, but um, yeah, yeah, but I'll let I'll let it go because I mean it, it it's good, but yeah, I think I think he's good and I think he's supposed to be good and um, it's it's kind of just like you know like Bob Bob getting selected. I mean Bob was just was the lucky, universe you know? was looking at him, you know. Yeah, but yeah. who's to say like like when you get the opportunity, then you 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 can write things and then. It just like it snowballs, you know. So like there could have been a dozen people who who might have done equally good given all the opportunities he got, you know. Right. Maybe. It's interesting know. to think about that movie uh, in terms of, I guess, because it's supposed to be like Dylan very early on. The stuff that Lewin Davis is doing at that point is is more advanced, kind of, than what Dylan would have been doing. And yeah, well, I think Lewin is supposed to be Dave Van Rock, is what I've heard. I, th- I think that, that right, makes sense. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about a guy who uh, could have, but did not become Bob Dylan. Right. Yeah. Anyway, good, good, good movie. For those of you uh, out there in uh, Jokerman Land wondering what the hell we're talking about, subscribe to the Patreon. Listen to oh, our latest yeah. release, Bob Dylan, nineteen sixty-two, and you will get caught up. Folks, you can't live with you about. can't live without the Patreon. You can't. You got to listen the the Bootleg series, um, one, two, three. Great, great, great episodes. It's seriously well worth it, uh, big time. And um, before we get to the next uh, song, I just wanted to say. Seven curses, love it. Mm. Love, love seven. me some seven. I, curses. I like seven curses too. I, th- I thought that was one that could have been well at home on uh, on desire. Ah, but wait, no, no, no. It, w- w- seven when, curses is. Seven you're curses thinking? Are you from... thinking seven days? Are you thinking? Wait, 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 wait. wait. Yeah, I think you're seven thinking of days, seven days. Never mind. O'Reilly yeah. stole a stallion. Seven curses is the old one, and seven days is the yeah. other one. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. yes. Never mind. Um, but also, yeah, Seven Days is good too. A lot of screaming, so I like that. What? So, no, yeah. trilogy of trilogies is that next? Yeah, trilogy of trilogies. Yes. Okay. Uh, from uh, 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 again, two thousand eight. Little did we know there was another trilogy coming right down the. Well, I guess not right down. the Pretty bike, soon. But, uh, yeah. The cover records. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. The, the uh, we would have. So he's now had a quadrilogy. Yeah, uh, of trilogies. And so, so I mean, my what I claim my trilogy of trilogies is the first one is I believe bringing it all back home, Highway sixty one, blonde on blonde. Would the you guys agree? Rate. That's the that's first, the big absolutely. three, no question. Yeah, right. um, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Yeah, I can't wait. Trinity. Can't wait. It's I I'm happily pay five dollars a month to find out what you guys have to say about all that. So then I believe. And I haven't heard this song in a while. My next trilogy of trilogies would be Planet Waves, Blood on the Tracks, and Desire, right? Yep, that's the second one, which is an interesting, it's an yeah. interesting conception. Yeah, because I think I do think uh, Blood on the Tracks and Desire are paired together, but Planet Waves is not one that I usually think of as existing in that I don't think range. Planet Waves Let it out, let that. it out, yeah. I don't, I don't think Planet what? Waves is in, that, is in the same weight class there. Yeah, as I mean, it's the I least... Like it. 
Yeah, it's the worst of the three. But I mean, um, from I, I guess your argument would be there wasn't a trilogy in the seventies. It was just a, a you know a one-two punch of, of blood on the tracks and desire. But for the to to stick with my hypothesis, I, I added Planet Waves. I think it belongs there because it was it it was the that era. I feel like that era goes together. I mean, those albums came out so like. Is it 74, 74, 75 or 77? No, it was 74, 75, 76. Okay. I mean, boom, boom, boom. And, right in a row. Yeah. And it, it just feels like they're, he's riding that same wave. Like the wave starts at in the planet waves. And I too want to hear the title track someday, by the way. Right. Um, <laughs> the title track of planet waves. But planet waves, um, planet waves is, is, is good. Dirge. Oh, so good. Dirge is one of the best things ever. Um, good. Wedding song is good. Wedding song is amazing. Um, and then, um, what a shame. You guys, you touched on it, but not as much as I wanted you to. Um, Nobody Except You from Bootleg Series is a uh, castaway from, from Planet Waves. That's, I think that's a great song. I yeah. love that song. Nobody it's such like a, you. that's like almost, almost a, um, a throwback to uh, Nashville kind of thing. Just like such a simple and true and straightforward kind of love song. We haven't even talked about Nashville, Scott. I mean, that's maybe another possible trilogy there. Uh, I was just thinking John that, yeah, Wesley, John Harding, Wesley, Nashville, self, and Self-Portrait. Self-Portrait and Nashville Skyline. Yeah. Whereas I, I don't really feel like there is a tr- proper trilogy in the 70s. That's just my personal yeah. View yeah, well, un- unless you go with the Born Again, you know, if you include Which, Shot of again, Love, again, I, as I a wouldn't Born again. include Shot of Love exactly. I think that, I think you're right on on calling that as not quite a proper Christian record. Yeah, but um, but, uh, but he definitely seems to have he goes he has these like little spurts though for sure. You know what I mean? Like where there's um there's like a certain vibe that he um goes with for a few albums and then and then moves on to the next vibe mm-hmm. and and um and and you're right yeah in the you know the last decade with the covers and I love I love the covers I'm oh, I'm, I'm a big fan are, of the Great American Songbook and That's um, some of my favorite stuff period of that he's ever done. I'll, yeah, I'll take those stuff. cover records I'll take Shadows in the Night up to Triplicate before I would before uh, over uh Desire any day wow. of the week. Well, <laughs> well, um, I mean, I'd go three days. I mean, I'd go three days with the 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 covers and four days with Desire in, in a in a week. Personally, Evan's always been slightly down on Desire. Yeah, well, there's so many good things about Desire, but also it, it, Desire also spawned like. Uh, Edward, Edward Sharp, Sharp and the Magnetic, the Magnetic Zeros. Zeros and Mumford mm. and Sons and uh, right, okay. I I see that, w- which is no longer relevant, anyways. But uh, but uh, decade old indie scene grudges. Yeah, my like Hurricane is is Hurricane and Joey. I I don't like either one of them. They're just they go on and on and they they just don't do it for me. It's really like uh, Oh Sister and and uh, Sarah Romance and Durango. But the thing is, even. The the beauty of it is even Joey, which I don't love, and Hurricane, which I don't love, though it it still sticks in that that sound. Like I don't know what the microphones they were using, or, or who knows, but just like I love the sound, and you can feel the energy in the room, kind of. Yeah, the vi- the vibe that they captured is absolutely kind of unparalleled. It was a real kind of like lightning in a bottle thing because yeah. the whole thing collapses just a few months after the record is even recorded. 
that you know the whole Rolling Thunder tour and band and stuff. Um, but what they had those couple weeks, months, whatever, yeah. it's good stuff. Well, they lose it, but they they gosh darn recaptured it on a little live album known as Hard Rains. Another trilogy the, the, that I think we should mention is the trilogy in the 90s to the uh, 2000s. You've got... I think the third trilogy you mentioned on Time the out of mind, is Time Out of Mind, Love and Theft, Modern, modern, modern times. times. That's right. Yeah, those three. I mean, they're obviously stretched out by almost a decade, but just, it, you know, it's Bob getting his groove back, which then he would lose again temporarily with um, Together Through Life. But it's like... Just the, you know, like being the elder, being comfortable as the elder statesman. That's the thing. When when Dylan comes out on stage to give Gordon Lightfoot his award, he Dylan does not want to be the elder statesman. You know, no, he, no, look he at the way he's dressed. Yeah, I mean, but we we uh, we should mention the uh, the alternate history trilogy of Together Through Life, Christmas in the Heart, and Tempest. <laughs> um. Or I mean the basement the basement trilogy I guess is Empire Burlesque knocked out loaded and and um down in the groove yeah of the three yeah. of the three Empire um, Empire has a lot of um, qualities it, it's a str- solid two star you know we're, we're on the eve record. of a new release by the way of what oh yeah by the time this comes out Ooh. it will have come out already tell me uh, Bob, Bob Dylan Bob Dylan nineteen seventy. This is now, a, now what is it? what? so it's not a bootleg series. It's something called the anniversary series, which I, I from what I can gather is actually the first of that under that moniker. But what, it's, what um, I've seen, it looks like the it originally came out literally to like protect the copyright, uh, which is you know uh, it is what it is. It's stuff from 1970, like alternate versions of stuff he did with George Harrison, like if not for you. Um, uh, what else is on there? There's a bunch of stuff. It's mo- it's mostly self portrait and new morning uh sessions kind of stuff. So it might be you might you might be into it, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean that's int- like even with another self portrait, they still had um more they st- to mind from that, that era. Yeah, it's still coming out tomorrow. Huh? Interesting. But uh, um, we should we should uh move on along to the next yeah, yeah. the next song on on your record. Which is my trip to Hibbing, Minnesota. Did oh, you actually yeah, go yeah. to Hibbing? Yes, yes. Um, the, I, in I this went, song, how you, is it? you say Hibbings. Did you I, do say Hibbings. Yes. Hey, you give a guy a break. You know, I'm. A- I'm <laughs> just want to give you a break, but I want to. I just want to mention that there's a logical fallacy. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's. I feel like Hibbing deserves an S for some reason. Apparently, did I get it right on the song title at least? Yes. Yeah, okay. You did. So yeah, I, I went um, in '03. I drove around uh, the U.S. Uh, for most of the year in a, in a minivan, and uh, and definitely uh, Hibbing was one of the places I wanted to go for Bob. And I just walked around, and it was uh, cool. There, I think I mentioned in the song. There's a a bar or restaurant called Zimmy's, Zimmy's. I think you do mention. Yeah, that. I, I, that's fantastic. Yeah, so that was there. And otherwise, it was just a, a little American town. And um, I was like, all right, cool. Now I've seen it. You know, it's just cool. I don't know. When you hear, a, like, especially with Chuck Berry, you know, Chuck Berry mentions a lot of cities in his songs, it seems. And I just want to know what they look like for some reason. <laughs> yeah. then when I ba- to, like, bathroom I city. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's that? Yeah, oh, yeah. With Chuck, Chuck Berry. With, 
New Chuck Orleans. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> terrible. Keep this one up. <laughs> so yeah, that that that's the extent. I also um, one of my other monikers is the guy who sings songs about cities and towns, and I put right. out fifty track albums about um, cities and towns in each state, and I have not been to most of those cities. Have you recorded? I, I can't say that I have. Uh, I, I've, I forgive you. Yeah. Uh, comprehensively listen to all 21,000 songs. Yeah. Uh, have you recorded any songs about Los Angeles? Yes. Yeah. But yeah. What, yes. what have you had to say? Do you, rec- I'm, I'm just, I'm more native Angelina. Well, I, mind, so I'm quite fond the, of the, the songs are pretty, um, they're, they're, they're basically me reading the Wikipedia entry for that <laughs> okay. city. So it's like, yeah, go Dodgers. Yeah. We'll take it. Hollywood side. Sounds like a good song. That, that honestly <laughs> does sound, that sounds right right in right in the the uh the right in line with randy newman's classic i love la yeah i love, yeah. I love la one of the great songs about loving that city of angels <laughs> so yeah that trip was real uh what do we got next are we oh is this how close are we to the well, end i'm nervous well, we've already sort of talked about this one right the of scorsese martin scorsese's oh. uh no direction home okay you don't yeah. care Which, for the this the thrust of this song is that you don't care for this film. Well, I'm just, I'm tired of the, um, uh, of, of like, myth-making, the, the myth-making, the myth-making, you know? Oh, yeah, there's another guy in there. He's like, it was the 60s, man. It was amazing. It was Bob. It's the 60s. It's like, oh, the 60s couldn't have been that great. Like, knock it off. Come on, you know? Just, <laughs> and also, I'm just jealous because, like, um, you know, uh, I, I want a movie like that made about me. And, right. um, and, and, uh, and so I'm just filled with a jealous rage. Like Bob, Bob's had a charmed life and he's done a great work with it, you know, but uh, I'm super jealous. And, um, and I, and mostly I just wish there was a, a docu about myself. So, um, any directors out there? I'll, I'll say that you've, you may be without realizing it made the best film about yourself that could possibly exist, which is called local legends. Yeah. It's, but I, I would like a, a local legends too. Um, yeah, just regional as, legends. Just as much as I'd like, you know, a Stardust Memories too. You know, I'd love to <gasps> see a new uh, Stardust Memories uh, with with Woody. Uh, tread current day. Tread, tread tread lightly, considering what's in the news these days, my yeah. friend. I'm well, going to tread uh, normally, <laughs> like I always do. <laughs> well, I I will. I mean, look if that's the direction you guys go next. If you go, um, a Woody. If a, you start post Annie Hall, <laughs> post Annie Hall, Woody that Allen, would moving back movie podcast. That would be good. But Stardust Memories is Stardust Memories is so good. Great it film. is amazing. Oh my god, it's per- so good. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's one of yeah. my. I mean, one of the best things about Stardust Memories is his vision of himself as you know, like successful director, living in this like beautiful penthouse, uh, where on the wall is a giant blown up image of that guy with a gun to his head in right. Vietnam. Yeah, it's 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 more out there than usual for uh, for Woody too. Because uh, well, it's with, a Fellini like ripoff, you know. It's just like yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. It's just yeah, what it's it, uh, Woody's eight and a half. Yeah, it's spectacular. But um, it's it's Woody's um, but, local legends. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, 
Yeah, Local Legends is uh, on Amazon Prime, folks. Check it out, Local Legends. Um, all right, so yeah, Scorsese. I'm tired of the myth making. Dylan, I mean, and here I am taking part in it, but uh, so I'm not that tired of it. But I like our approach. And and yes, I'm saying our as if I am a, a Joker man. You are but, a Joker um, man. <laughs> Absolutely, you're the you're a Joker fan. You're the Joker fan. I'm the yeah, Joker you're, fan, you're, you're and it's more like than that. and. Yeah. And that's the thing that we can we can appreciate it and love it, but also you know poke a little fun at, at some of the, the the left turns that that Bob has made throughout the years. And 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 and, and um you know that's my personal approach um, versus just the, the 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 standard like you said the talking heads and blah blah blah. So that's all I have to say about that. That's fair. It, it's a fair well thing, yeah. I think that uh, that might bring us here in in for landing on this one. Uh, final track on side B of "I Love Bob Dylan," uh, yeah. available uh, where all fine music is uh, streamed these days. I guess um, uh, Bob Dylan in the nineteen eighties, a favorite subject. Oh of yeah, the Jokerman pod, podcast, kind of the the central core of of the Jokerman podcast in a lot of ways. Yeah, I don't think yeah, that absolutely. the Jokerman podcast would exist without. Yeah, let's let's just go through it. All right, Dylan in the eighties, saved is horrific. I'm sorry. Um, wow. Yeah, <laughs> shot of love is is the best album from the eighties. We've we've covered that, but <laughs> then but then we get into the era. Then you guys have talked about where everything like this is when they start saying best since Blood on the Tracks. You know, with with Infidels, mm-hmm. and um. And I fell for that, you know? I mean, not in 1983, but like, I don't know, in 1995, when I finally bought Infidels, I, I read all those reviews, you know? Um, and I listened to it, and I was like, oh, this is good, you know? And like, yeah, Sweetheart Like You is a good song. It is. It I, is. I've been a big fan. I Well, it, I've lost my love for it, you know? I don't know what it is, but that album, for me, is not aged well. You know, it, it feels uh, of, it, of its time. I mean, you guys, um, you guys have, have properly made fun of a couple of tracks on that album, um, and it deserves it. But uh, it just—I mean—and but Joker Man, obviously, like, and, and, and there's the other thing, like, what what makes a good album anyway? You know, like, I mean, I have like Russ Never Sleeps, Neil Young on a vinyl, and I mm-hmm. never listen to Side Two, and it's. But Side One, I, I listen to all the time. It's like oh, what? Side Two is so much fun. Oh no, it's too it's too raw, too loud. And you don't you don't welfare like all mothers. The, uh, we, yeah, well, welfare mothers make bad lovers. <laughs> no, I want I just want to hear Thrasher. Basically, I want to hear Thrasher over and over. But ride my llama and Pocahontas and uh, even um, wherever we whatever it's called the last one. But I, what my my point is though that like I mean. I'd consider that one of my favorite albums, but only because of side one, you know? Right. And right. so, so we are definitely too tough on things. Uh, so it's like, I, I should be nicer to, to infidels, but still. Yeah. One, one, one star. Wow. Yeah. I, I think we gave it two because, because of, Joker of Man. the strength of Joker man. Uh, and you know, and I think just Joker man is so, is so, uh, is so powerful. Uh, that that still stands, but yeah, I mean the rest of it is. I I, I always want to like Infidels more than I actually do yeah. like Infidels from track two to track eight. So the beauty of Empire Burlesque is that 
where Infidels comes in, Empire Burlesque does go out in this my new way of describing like sonic texture. It sure. it, it does go it, it's not as muted. Uh oh but oh by the way, that video that you guys um where he's like sitting at the it's a, one of the songs that's on piano, but he's just strumming an acoustic guitar in yeah. it. <laughs> Emotionally yours. <laughs> yeah, oh, that is insane. Um, but I mean, that it's, album is a mess. Like, Clean Cut Kid, like, just, like, oh, like you guys say, too, Cool, cool Rock and Daddy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Burger Kings. <laughs> I'll listen to Empire <laughs> Burlesque over um, Infidels any day of the week. and then and then Stronger record. And then those other two. I, I, I'm not even going to say their names, because... What's wow. your favorite Dylan song of the 80s, though? Let's boil it down to, like... The, the song for the... It's got to be Ring Them Bells is the best song from the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Oh, Mercy. Oh, Mercy's, oh, Mercy's very good, you know? It, it's definitely two, uh, easily two stars and borderline three, but probably not quite three stars, you know? Um, but in, in terms of start to finish vibe, a Shot of Love does it for me for the 80s. Oh Mercy is a pretty close second second place. Um it just feel like you can you can you can even hear Bob not agreeing with Lanois. You can hear his trepidation in some of the performances whereas in Shot of Love there's no question that Bob knew <laughs> he was doing the right thing when just like I need <laughs> yeah. I mean there's uh there's no two ways about it. So so he that, didn't have anyone right. to well, tell him otherwise. What about Brownsville Girl? No, no, I don't like it at all. Oh yeah, sorry guys, I don't know. What to Breaking tell my you. heart here. That's fine. Evan doesn't really like it either. I respect Brownsville Girl. Okay, they killed him. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I barely, I barely even know. There was uh, a man named Mahatma Gandhi. Oh yeah, oh god, that is one of the worst things ever. Unbelievable. <laughs> oh. Like purposely not familiar. Shenandoah though, uh, what which one is that on? Shenandoah is on Down in the Groove. That's that's ugliest, pretty darn good. Ugliest girl in the world. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's with uh, Robert Hunter, right? Is the that's co-write? right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like he needed yeah, that that and Silvio. He needed uh, help with those lyrics, you know, to imagine Mr. Right. Mr. Terrapin Station himself. Well, this. Brings us to the final end here yeah. of uh, your album. I love Bob Dylan. Yeah. Well, this, yeah, this has been a delight. Thank you. Thank you. So pleased to have had you on. And uh, is there anything you want to plug or is there anything coming out soon in the Motern universe that we should mention? I'm excited. Um, you know, I'm putting out 50 songs a week for the entire year. Um, and mostly it's like songs about cities and towns, but, uh, I have like a series of albums that I call my no jokes albums where I'm actually writing like songs that, um, that are as good as shot of love, you know? And, um, (laughs) and so I'm working, I'm finishing one of those. It's my, my, my friend Pete, uh, I've known him since we were in high school and we've been making music together forever. And, and, and we call ourselves the Finkel stinks. Which is one of the worst band names ever, but um, we're sticking with it. So look up the Finkel Stinks, and the new album is going to be called Sweetheart Deal, and we're we're very excited wow. about it. Where, where most of um, where I'm doing 50 songs a week all year, he and I have been working on this album since November. You know, 
um, and we're, we're really excited. We have one other album that came out a couple years ago. You can check it out while you're waiting, but Sweetheart Deal is going to be album of the 2020s. That's a great title. That is a great title. Yeah. Epstein. Sweetheart Deal. <laughs> I got it from listening to an Epstein podcast where they're, they kept on saying, in, in, in Florida, he got a sweetheart deal. Being able to yep. leave the prison. And I was like, ooh, that's a great, uh, great phrase. Down there, him and uh, Alex It's Azar. one of the great phrases. Yeah. Well, we did it, guys. We, we sure did, did it. I have a feeling this won't be the last time uh, Matt Farley will join us. No, I'm coming back. You're welcome back anytime. You're going to have to challenge uh, Sam France for the uh, the the official, uh, unofficial third uh, mic of Jokerman podcast. Ian, why pit two bad bitches against each other? We're all friends. friends. We're all Jokerman. That's that's a good point. Yeah. Well, seriously, you guys are you're doing a good you're doing the Lord's work, and uh, I'm 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 loving every second of it. Um, and I hope it keeps I hope it keeps going. When you're done with Bob, you could like 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 we said, you could do this with movies, you can do this with other artists, um, and uh, I, I'll be listening. Well, you heard the man, uh, and meanwhile, check out the Moturn Cinematic Universe, uh, the only cinematic universe you need to pay any attention to at all. Do you want to take us off, Matt? Jokerman. Fantastic. I'm never going to stop being amazed By every little thing that comes along the way The sun has come up for another day Let's get outside and appreciate its rays Time will continue to Just fly right by for you If you assume you've seen it all before It's unwise to neglect The things that you expect You know miracles are right outside your door And I'm never gonna stop being amazed By every little thing that comes along the way The sun's come up for another day Let's go outside and appreciate its rays And my best friend isn't dead He met me for lunch like he said I've known him since school I think that's pretty cool And most everyone I've ever known Would welcome me into their home I think that's pretty great And I'd reciprocate Never stop being amazed by every little thing that comes along.